Welcome to Nerds of the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Dwayne. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sammy. And this week we are reviewing, <clears throat> we made a little bit of a swerve because I didn't feel great about having you guys spend money on what might possibly be a stimming pile of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really accessible free anywhere, so we done a little bit of a swerve and extended our Spielberg month by a week and got an actual movie directed by Steven. A 1982's classic, E.T., directed by Steven Spielberg, starring Henry Thomas, D. Wallace, the guy with the coolest name in show business, Peter Coyote, and our beloved Drew Barrymore. Yes, and not to mention a young C. Thomas Howell. Yeah, very young. Yeah. Um, he hadn't had any acting lessons yet. But no. We'll, but we'll, we've got a pan section for that later. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, choices, choices were made in this movie. But, you know, um, there's a lot to discuss, a lot to get into, and, and I can't wait to do it. But let's go ahead and let you guys know about some stuff we've been enjoying in our Keeping It 100 section. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. And I'll lead off. Um, Netflix has uh, brought out a great new show. As I get my timer started, I haven't done that yet. I'm cheating. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Netflix has come out with a great new show. Voice talent such as Sarah Michelle Gellar, Lena Headley, Justin Long, Diedrich Bader, Henry Rollins, Stephen Root, Clancy Brown, and Mark Hamill. I believe Sammy mentioned this last week. I'm going to mention it this week. Masters of the Universe, uh, produced and written by Kevin Smith. This takes the mythology of Eternia, turns it a little bit on its ear, and really continues the story of He-Man, Tila, Man-at-Arms, Skeletor, Evil in the Sorceress, and even Orko shows up. Mm -hmm. uh, that little, you know, crazy floating wizard guy. But uh, this uh, is just really a ton of fun. Um, I'm almost finished with it. I'm not quite, but I just wanted to mention it. Uh, especially because we've got uh, the little something coming up here pretty soon. But Masters of the Universe on Netflix, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I have, I have to second that. Um, I loved, you know, those first five episodes dropped. I mean, I just consumed them in one sitting. Um, I mean, Evil M was awesome. I loved Evil M. So I, I have a question. Yeah, she's really – go ahead. Um, my kids really want to watch this. One of them in particular, they know nothing about He-Man. <laughs> is do you do you have to have any prior knowledge at all to enjoy the show? I wouldn't think so. Okay, no, um, I don't because think so. it's it, it gives you kind of a background to start with. Okay, it, it starts off and it says, "Here's where we are," and then it goes into a completely unique story. And I mean, for a Kevin Smith mm -hmm. uh, written by. I was surprised that it wasn't filthy, you know, the, you know, <laughs> at, at all. Really, it's 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 very much in in the spirit of of the uh, of the classic cartoon. Yeah, you know, updated, of course, animations and stuff, but still very much that style, of still very much that filmation style, but just bumped up a little bit cooler. And you know, the story is is so interesting and so. Unique, I guess. Yeah. For, for well, a it's very Tila focused. Okay. 
it's well, very Tila focused. I know that that trailer was very effective because mm-hmm. I mean I was interested because I was a, I was a He Man guy when I was yeah. a little kid. I, everybody loves Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah, um, but you know, I'm the only male in my household. Look at a wife and daughters. I thought, yeah, maybe I might have sneak and watch this by myself. No, but we watched the trailer together, and they were like, "We, we when are we watching this?" No, like, I, I, all of I them think, were. Yeah. They were. They're all in. I think that they would be in. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, okay. I, yep. I think so too. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. So I believe it leads to me, and I've got the clock up, and I'm going to go and get started. So for this week's keeping it 100, I'm going back to the world of the written word. I just finished up a fascinating novel. And no, guys, it wasn't Ready Player Two. Um, I did finish that one. But the book I'm, I'm referring to is the 2017 release of J.R.R. Tolkien's Baron and Luthien. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baron and Luthien is, is one of the three great tales from Tolkien. And um, as with many of the, the releases up until... January of 2020, uh, a lot of those volumes were edited by Christopher Tolkien, his son. Um, and this is the original story of Baron and Luthien, you know, as it appears in the Silmarillion. But it also is a study of all the drafts and how the story developed and changed from Tolkien's first drafts, earliest drafts, to, to keep seeing how these characters are building. Um, it just really shows you how how Tolkien developed and continued to develop those characters for Middle Earth. Um, you know, plus you've got stunning artwork by Alan Lee, you know, throughout the book. Um, so, I mean, this is one of those first age tales, which we all should get to know because that's probably where Amazon's going to be going. Um, but there's those echoes to the third age also where we get Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. So that's why Baron and Luthien is my keeping it 100 for this week. Yeah. After finishing the Silmarillion and Children of Huron, mm-hmm. um, those those earlier age tales are very, yep. very interesting, especially to the lore. And you're talking about the movies, <clears throat> the Third Age, uh, you know, Aragorn and uh, Erwin are you know kind of an analog mm-hmm. in the movies for, for Baird and Luthien, yes. you know, the, the elf maiden in love with the mortal man. And if um, you've... Even though Aragorn is a Dunedain, you know, the long-lived mortal man, but still... Yeah, and, and if you've watched the extended cut, which is the only cut to watch, yeah. uh, we do have, you know, Aragorn singing that. and referencing to the Lady Luthien. So. But yeah, Children of Huron, uh, Baron and Luthien, and then The Fall of Gondolin are the three great tales. So Never dipped into them. Need to do it. They're interesting. Very yeah. interesting, yeah. And the sad part is it was Ready Player Two that got me wanting to read Baron and Luthien. So, <laughs> Well, something good came out of that. There oh you my. go. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm up uh, next and last. And I'm going to be pitching Rear Window, the Alfred Hitchcock classic from 1954. Um, I had never seen this one before. Um, I thought I had. It was some kind of false memory. <laughs> I I knew about five minutes in, like, nope, never seen this. No idea what this is. Um, the pacing is a little slower than we're used to. Um, some of the morality and gender politics of the day may be a little bit off-putting to some viewers. Um, but, man, it's a good movie. It's just, and it's really that the tension just builds and builds and builds. The performances are great. I mean, Jimmy Stewart's Jimmy Stewart. I mean, he's just great. And if you don't like Jimmy Stewart, you're probably a bad person. Um <laughs> Grace Kelly is great in this movie. She's great in everything, but like she's really good here. Um, 
bunch of people I don't know because you know I wasn't around 1950. There's probably a ton of like, hey, I know that mm-hmm. person. And the, the, that we, we just don't know. Yeah. Um, but the performances were really good. His nurse was really good. Um, but Hitchcock just does such an amazing job of like visually siding with Jimmy Stewart through his whole because the whole deal is he's laid up sick and he sees he's just you know staring at all of his neighbors for six weeks and then he thinks he sees something terrible happen and visually he get you get a, he gets us on the side of Jimmy Stewart but he gives you enough little things that conflict with Jimmy Stewart's story you don't know if he's right or if he's been in that room too long mm-hmm. and then the and it's just the tension builds and it's just a fantastic ending it's a great movie like even hunter is a rear window from 1954 cool yeah that's a very early hitty movie a little claustrophobic a little you know kind of paranoia uh, yeah. ridden really neat and i love the hitchcock movies you know especially you know when you when you think back and and there's such a a, a, a hasp of you know pop culture i've seen Winter. i've seen the birds i've seen you know vertigo psycho nope you know north by northwest yeah yeah and, and you know there's so many of those that are holes in our things but you but you have memory of them because they're such a yeah. such a thing yeah and and we've seen like edited versions like i've never seen the unedited birds like i've seen it on tbs a couple right. of times yeah. i'm yeah. sure there's a bunch of missing stuff yeah, yeah. exactly um but like i, I love my, my favorite part it, it's so clever because the scene where he, he thinks he's seeing something bad happen he nods off a couple of times. But Hitchcock keeps showing us stuff. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you down. Like, you know, it conflicts with the story he tells everybody else later on. Like some of the little things, it's like, okay, is he right? Or is he just missing some of the important details? Is he is losing he, is it? He dreaming? You know? Is he dreaming? So is he crazy? Yeah. It's so good. Didn't they remake that with Christopher Reeve at one point? After his accident and stuff, I think that was a home invasion style movie. Okay, yeah, I, I, I've seen what you're talking about. Something. It was a long time ago. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was something to that effect. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, we've been doing Spielberg month. You know, maybe at some point we'll throw a Hitchcock, Hitchcock. month on the. Uh, yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be cool. great. Yeah. yeah, that would be wonderful. <clears throat> well, speaking about a great movie and you know our themes that we're kind of really digging, uh, Sam, why don't you lead us in with some opening thoughts and grades about E.T. the extraterrestrial. All right. So once more, we are a film that made Steven Spielberg one of those quintessential names in movie history. You know, we've talked about Jaws and how great it was. You know, this is another one of those movies with E.T. You know, all those classic Spielberg touchstones are there. Uh, the group of friends, the mix of real world and fantasy SF, all of that's here. And that those are such, like I said, cornerstones of early Spielberg that made Spielberg such a favorite to me. Um, and honestly, if you think about it, E.T. had a monumental impact on the landscape of pop culture. This little visitor from another planet became his icon on so much licensing. And I'm not counting that Atari game, obviously. Um, (laughs) But uh, the movie affects me the same way today as it did when I was a kid. Um, It's a lasting tribute to what can be accomplished emotionally and visually with practical effects. 
So when I just think about the movies that tried to even capture this same lightning in a bottle that came afterwards, uh, Explorers, Mac and Me, I mean, so many movies tried to touch upon that. Um, so, I mean, to me, this is, this is a, a, it's a big one. So grade, I got to go A plus guys. I wouldn't have brought up Mac and Me. I'm sorry. It, <laughs> that, it was one of the ones I could remember that had the, the kid befriending some type of extraterrestrial life. And I was like, yeah. So we, we talked before about how I, did, I didn't watch a lot of kids' movies when I was a kid. I was mm-hmm. mostly just watching movies with my dad. Right. Um, but Explorers was one of the few. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, but it's one of those I'm afraid to rewatch. I'm afraid it's not actually any good. Um, but I'm, I'm next on my, my grade for this movie. Uh, Mac and me would definitely not get the same grade. Uh, <laughs> this is a great movie. And I, I said last week that I really liked Radio Player One. That it was a good, not a great movie. And shouldn't be on Spielberg's Mount Rushmore. E.T. is. It's a, it's one of Spielberg's Mount Rushmore movies. It's it's just a fantastic movie. Um, from the beginning, where they're <laughs> doing a scene that Stranger Things has ripped off over and over again. <laughs> the kids sitting around playing D&D, drinking tab, all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. It reminded me, too, of uh, oh, the bad guy in Ready Player One. Remember his line? Oh, Sorrento. Yeah, Sorrento yeah, was drinking, drinking tab, tab, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just, a, it's just a great movie. It's, I mean, the... It's got a few little flaws. Yeah. Um, but it's just incredibly watchable. Um, you like the people you're supposed to like. I mean, you're just... If you're not all in on uh, making sure Elliot has a happy ending at this thing, then you're you're a bad person. <laughs> I don't, turn off the podcast. We don't want you listening. Um, this is an A-plus movie. It's just one of... I mean, one of the best movies by one of our best directors. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have... have uh, <clears throat> you know, taking quite a bit of uh, of my th- what I was going to say. You know, it's the 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 effects, the story, the acting of these kids, the you know, uh, just the impact of pop culture. And you mentioned the you know you don't have the intro to Stranger Things without the intro to ET. Mm-hmm. You don't you know the, or at least the introduction of the kids. You know, sitting around playing Dungeons and Dragons. You don't have the bicycle chase running from the van in Stranger Things without E.T. You know, you don't have so much of these, you know, like you mentioned all of the, you know, kids befriending aliens, aliens, you know, being more human than human in some of these situations. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I feel like the, the teacher in A Christmas Story. You know, in Ralphie's dream, when he turns in his essay about the Red Rider BB gun, and she's just floored and taken by it, and she goes up to the board and she just marks a huge A plus, plus, <laughs> plus, plus, plus. You know, <laughs> that's that's this movie. That's my score for this movie. I'm a, if I could emulate the teacher from a Christmas story, it's 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 A plus beyond. All right, gentlemen. Now, now, one more Stranger Things comparison is Eleven like a less unsightly ET. She's kind of performing the same yeah, function kind of. story-wise. Yeah, well, you know, she is, she really is, now that you mentioned I hadn't drawn that line, but, you know, she she's, you know, nearly nonverbal. Like ET. Has powers. She has, you know, these they have phenomenal to hide her. powers. Yeah. They have to hide her. She, you know. Yeah, she, she is kinda, the ET. They even put a wig on her. Yep. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, <laughs> Talking about what it affected, you know, would we have had Alf if it wasn't for E.T.? Yeah. At least we got Stranger Things. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we've, we've, we've shed enough love on this movie, so let's go ahead and move on over to our fan section. 
Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. Jamie takes out the game. Um, this isn't the right answer. This is not the biggest fan for this movie, but it's something that really struck me this time. The the child actor performances in this movie, mm-hmm. with a couple of exceptions. Um, but Spielberg is really good at this. He's really good at getting great performances out of child actors. And I don't quite know how he does it, because, I mean, it's very mixed back. Even great directors will sometimes just, you know, you can't, and when we talk on the show, we just kind of give them a pass, because they're kids. Yep. Um, I don't know if it's just being good, like having an eye like during the casting process and like being able to pick out the kids that when it's time to deliver, they'll be able to deliver. Um, but even like great directors still get that wrong. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jake Lloyd seems like a pretty good dude. <laughs> I was getting ready to go, are you an angel? <laughs> yeah. Come on. He's like a pretty good dude. But give him a break. Um, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Um, but, no. I don't, but I don't know if it's just these, these, he has a knack for picking the right kids or if there's something about maybe he's a sensitive soul or was just really... But this was before I think he even had kids. Um, so he, he didn't have like the parental sort of background. Yeah. So I mean, I just... But it's... it's I mean, Drew Barrymore is like, you know, tiny in this movie. And she's really good. Um, Henry Thomas is so good in this movie. His older brother, whose name I can't remember. The the other the three kids, the three, the three friends on the mm-hmm. bicycles... Not not as much, but the main the main child cast in this movie they're so good, and that, and that has to be Spielberg pulling that out of them. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it, it blew me away all over again. Yeah, and I love though listening to directors talk about you know when they cast kids you know uh, Rob Reiner with you know casting Fred Savage you know in uh, you know the Princess Bride uh, Zemeckis with uh, you know Stand by Me uh, the you know he you just cast these kids <clears throat> the Sandlot I mean you have to pick the right kids mm-hmm. and you have to let them be <clears throat> I loved getting into a little bit of trivia on here and how many of Drew Barrymore's lines were just her reacting. As a kid, you know, because she was talking about when she says, I don't like his feet, that was unscripted. She was talking about being uncomfortable that there were wires coming out of E.T.'s feet, you know, <laughs> for the puppeteers to work the thing. You know, how uh, how she would, you know, have these little, these little bursts that were almost brilliant, but so in character of that little girl, which is what she is, you know, and, and you just let them be. And Henry Thomas's next line plays with that. Mm-hmm. And he just on the spot just, just kept moving with it. I'm like how do you find a kid yeah, that, that age who can just ad lib and roll with you know that yeah, kind of stuff I mean that's yeah yep yeah I, I don't have a lot that's what I got I, it just it just knocked my socks off yeah well you know uh, my fan is kind of right along rolling with that you know you, you have your kid actors and they really sell their reactions to the E.T. puppet but that E.T. puppet in 1982 was my fan. I mean, how the neck responds, you know, at different times when he's different emotions, it kind of almost swells out and goes up and down. You see the the pulse, you know, in the body, the the movement, the respirations, even, I mean, come on, even the glowing heart, you know, how, you know, and things, how to, and, and then the neck extending, you know, I remember being a kid and finding out that that was a thing, you know, that when, when, you know, E.T. was everywhere. And, and so you see this, but there, the the way that that 
puppet was created and how even alien but cute it was and weird and awkward and how they brought it to life you know that that was my fan I, I, you know just that it, it had to say you know much like you know Hamill and Frank Oz uh, Kirshner talks about Yoda you know having to you know if a Yoda doesn't work the movie doesn't work if E.T. doesn't work we're not talking about it 30 years later. And this isn't a jaw situation where you, where you can hide it. Right, right. exactly. You know, yeah. and, and I know you talk about the, the you know the, the Steven Spielberg Rushmore. I mean, once you got a shark and an alien on there. <laughs> <laughs> but when the shark doesn't work, you can just hide it, and it helps, yeah, yeah, and it helps the tension. Right. right. He's front and center. You yeah. can't yeah. hide him. Yep, yeah. exactly. You know, always, when, when, when I look at E.T. now, I always think about um, the actor. Like I've seen it. Yeah, they, yeah, that too. Yeah, we know the ETs are there, but I always think about um, the the little a- actor that played Cassie Lang in Ant Man when he gave her the the ugly doll, and she's like, "It's so it's ugly, so I ugly. love it." Yeah. You know, I mean, that's exactly what ET is. Yeah, exactly. you know, he's just so so ugly, he's cute kind of deal. Um, you know, for me, as far as a fan in this movie, you know, it had been a number of years since I had seen ET. You know, um, this wasn't one I'd revisited in a while. Um, And there were a number of things I found that I really had no recollection of. Namely, those first 15 minutes. But that became my one of my huge fans in this movie. This is where Spielberg and John Williams provide us with this duet of visuals and music Mm -hmm. that has you wondering what kind of movie is this? I mean, think about E.T., the extraterrestrial. This, you know, Spielberg's already done Close Encounters. He's already done all these types of things. The music is eerie. There's a tension in those first few minutes of the movie. You got the ship, the little crew, the visual cues, but the man with the keys. Um, you know, it's just such an amazing collaboration between the music and and the the visuals. You know, to me, this is a masterclass in filmmaking. I, see, I think the reason you don't remember that because I I didn't remember much of that. Mm-hmm. I think TBS cut most of that for time. Yeah. You gotta wonder. See, yeah. I remember I was young. I remember seeing this in the theater, but you know, those maybe that wasn't something that would have stuck out in my mind. Yeah. It would have been the you know, the the little things that we think about, phone home and all that. So, I, I'd only ever seen it on TV. Right. And I think that they edited that scene down a lot. Because mm-hmm. I didn't remember much of that. Like the inside of the ship and no. the chase through the woods. I mean I didn't remember hardly any of that. So I think that when they were cutting things for time, they they really shortened that. And of course, in today's world, I'm sitting there looking, going, "Did they special edition this? I can't remember that." <laughs> so, yeah. Well, he has special edition to ET in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just recently, um, took the guns out. They put them back in, though. Not all of them. It wasn't. They weren't on Prime. I know when. Uh, especially well, I, when I bought an edition recently. I bought the new Blu-ray edition. They're, they're back. They're back in the. Okay. Blu-ray. Well, the end of the ones on Prime where I watched it was, uh, you know, when they are all the guys in suits and they go to the back of the van and stuff. You can see where they would be holding their handshape of the gun, but they would be holding a walkie-talkie or a flashlight. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And uh, you know, there was. I think maybe there were like three guns. I saw quite a few. They, 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 yeah, they, oh, I, okay. I think they went back to putting the theatrical release. 
oh, back good, out. Good. So, but, but there's there's like you said, there's the edited copy. Yeah. That's that's floating around there. I uh, think the early DVD copies and the VHS ones were all the edited ones. Right. Where they put like pretty sure that's what's on Prime <laughs> instead of too. pointing guns, they were pointing like walkie talkies. And, and you know yeah. what's weird yeah. is just a second before that, D. Wallace's line is no guns, no guns, no guns, no guns, no guns or you kids. Know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> good, good idea. Good idea, D. <laughs> there we go. All righty, guys. Well, you want to move on to the pan section? We've uh, cast a little bit of love on this thing, so let's go look at some pans. Maybe some things that didn't work in this movie. Is there any? <laughs> well, I'm leading off, so uh, I guess, you know, Sam, you mentioned it. The keys. What's the deal with the guy with the keys? We see him at the beginning you know, chasing the aliens through the woods. And then we see him later on showing up to Elliot, you know, when he's on the, the gurney, when E.T. is having his moment there. But we really don't get a backstory with him. Is he CIA? Is he FBI? Is he just an alien hunter? Is 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 he a park ranger? Nobody knows. He's just a guy <laughs> with some keys. He's the janitor, um, you know. But that, that really, you know, of, of all the things in this movie that just kind of stuck out to me it's like okay you know he kind of seems like a deal but what's his deal I, and, and if I'm missing it you know I, I missed it uh, because I'm, I'm clueless as to what his deal was oh well, I'm gonna skip the order here and jump in because that's mine too Peter Cody's a fun actor I like him mm-hmm. almost everything he's in he and brings he, a fun dynamic to this role is just paper thin right I mean he, he acted it well but there's not much there but there's not much to act like, yeah. I think we're supposed to get like this menacing thing from him. The guy with the keys is hunting E.T. But there's just nothing there. But when he's talking to Elliot, he's compassionate. You know, he come yeah. to you first. It's like, I'll be, I've, I'll, I've wanted him too since yeah. I was two. You know? Yeah. I, 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 he's going like, to be like, he's on, I'm on your side. I'm, you know, I'm safe because I've been hunting for these, you know. Right. Like, where did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just think that it's either being way too subtle and it just doesn't work, or there's like a big chunk of a plot line that just got pulled out of the movie. And they had to leave enough of it in to make the scenes that were filmed work, so they just, eh, we'll just take out all the other stuff that makes this work. You know what I mean? I I don't know. I feel like there's something missing, or it just fell apart. I I don't know. Yeah, it seems like there's a gap with him. Yeah. All I can think right now is, hey, Ranger Keys. (laughs) 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 Yogi, the Ranger isn't going to like this. Uh, But... All right. Um, okay. Uh, as far as my pan, you know, yeah, Peter Cody's character wasn't fully fleshed out. I, it was a real bare bones story for him. I agree with you guys. But I've got one small nitpick in terms of a scene. Okay. When E.T. runs from Elliot that first time, knocks over the garbage cans, knocks open the gate. There's no way that little dude made it up those steps that quickly. There is no way. He does not have the stride to hop up those steps that fast. I'm sorry. I don't buy that. And you can even tell when he's running in the woods, they're pulling him on something. I know that. But there's no way that little dude with those little feet are getting up those steps that quick. Every time I'm like, mm-mm, nope. <laughs> That's hilarious. What can I can I give an extra? Yeah, sure. Um, this was the almost pan for me. In my memory, my memory was that the mom, the actress that played the mom in this movie, mm-hmm. was terrible. So I was fully expecting to roll my eyes because that was my memory. Like she was like the kids were like just blowing her out of the water, and she was this terrible actress. Mm-hmm. And then the three watches, I'm like, she's 
fine. I'm like, what was I mad about? Like, I was like, was I really this pretentious a jerk when I was younger? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought she did a really good job. Like yeah. when she was upset about, um, like when Elliot was being insensitive about the marriage falling apart and dad not being there, I like, I, I bought it. You know, right. completely, like, completely. I fully expected my pain to be that Dee Wallace was terrible in this movie, and she's just not. She does a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I struggled with her a little bit because early on, it's almost like she's just like you know whatever the kids. You know, it's almost almost like the inappropriate mom. Yeah. You know, but then as as the movie goes, you develop a lot of sympathy for her being a single parent in an era where that really isn't contended with. You mm-hmm. know, early '80s, it's still very stigmatized, um, and you know she's trying to make it. You know, kids, you know, home home alone. You know, it's just yeah. He's you know middle school kid you know what's your what's your you know near toddler sister you know yeah and you know this is an interesting role for her because I mean most of her stuff before this had been horror movies mm-hmm. you know she was in Cujo she was in a number of those types of you know several sl- of the creators movies sla- yeah, yeah slasher flicks and and you know jump scare type stuff so this was a, a different type of role for D Wallace uh, so. nothing with Keanu though no. <laughs> Spoiler for later. So she's not the Keanu connection. That's how I knew she was in all those Creators movies, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. Well, you know what? We've been talking about these performances already. The performance of D. Wallace. So let's go ahead and talk about our best performance, John. Take a trip down memory lane to the old five and dime where Sammy, a.k.a. Comic Book Kid, takes a look at the origin of some of our favorite heroes and villains in his podcast, One Thin Dot, focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics when the cover price was just 10 cents. Check him out every week on your podcast feed of choice, One Thin Dime. Since I'm leading off here, um, I'm glad I got this because I want to go ahead and throw the hat in the ring for Henry Thomas. Um, here, here. Henry Thomas was so crucial to this movie in the role of Elliot. And, you know, Jamie, you hit it exactly. As a child actor, he had to run such a gamut of emotions in this film uh, elation, fear, anxiety, just just total terror. Inebriation. And it, the whole nine. You know, and the thing is, I buy every moment with him. You know, Elliot is the window. And, and I just feel everything that, that Henry Thomas did just works so well in this part. Yeah, he's the right answer. Um, and he does some, some subtle stuff. I mean, for any actor, but especially for a child actor, he's mm-hmm. doing subtle things in the movie. And, and the way that... that you know, because the older brother is a is a good child actor, but I don't, he's not Henry Thomas level, right? But each of the the two older the the brothers are trying to show, you know, that they're dealing with the the break the marriage uh, the breakup of their parents' marriage in different ways. Here, Henry Thomas is little in this movie, mm-hmm. and he shows that it's affecting him, and he's showing it in subtle ways. He's not just you know, it was it was really impressive, and um, I did a tiny bit of research on it. And one of the things I was I found that was just blew me away is like they were doing like this huge you know casting call, 
and Henry Thomas came in to do his shot at being Elliot, and they had to they had to do a crying scene. I guess they needed him. You know, it was Spielberg was there, and they had they had to prove that they could be emotional. Mm-hmm. And so when Henry Thomas found that out, he stopped like on the spot, summed up like his feelings about when his dog had died recently, just completely fell apart in front of Spielberg. He just stopped the casting and said, "You're hired. You're Elliot." Hmm. I mean, so that I mean, he's just he's good. Yeah. 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 Um, was that your? Yeah, that's yeah. the right answer. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly the right answer. And you know, just like you said, you know, made very mature choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you really see the actor he's going to grow into, and really, you know, at this early age was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, well, next up is uh, the best scene, and despite the fact that C. Thomas Howell hadn't figured out how to act yet, <laughs> um, he gets better. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of potential flashing in this movie. <laughs> But the the chase scene at the end, from the second that the older brother, whose name I cannot remember, Michael, Michael, as soon as Michael gets in that van to when they're flying their bikes in front of the across the sky, just every bit of that, it's just it's exciting. Um, the only problem, the only flaw in that entire scene, is whoever's on Elliot's bike is about a foot taller than Henry <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Yeah. He's the biggest kid on those bikes. Yeah. yeah. But it's just an exciting scene. But you, you feel the danger that the kids are in. And because they're kids and not adults, right. it makes it even more tense. You know, you don't you just want you don't want anything bad to happen to these kids. And, you know, E. T. has not been well. He's been he just recently, you know, recovered from being mostly dead all day. Um and so it just <laughs> it's just a really good scene. It's just you know, it's exciting. He good was mostly dead. Good thing he didn't go swimming for at least forty five minutes. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> yeah, you're you're definitely not wrong with that scene, but I, I knew there's so many great scenes to choose from. I, I I didn't go with one of the big scenes, I don't think, but my favorite scene always brings a smile to my face and a laugh is when Gertie meets E.T. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she just screams and E.T. screams and they have to just the whole and everybody's screaming everybody's screaming <laughs> and just her just her whole little reaction to that and then E.T.'s reaction back to her ah, you know <laughs> just, that just is so lovely and so pure I feel like you know. there's about 12 right answers and the thing <laughs> is that that is such a kid like reaction because with, within half a minute she's like hi you know, yeah, right? Yeah, she's once she's com- got that initial shot, turns around, yeah. and then they're playing dress up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. which is mm-hmm. another great scene. Yeah, yeah. that it was is. my runner up. Yeah, uh, um, I'm really glad I did come with a couple on this one because that was on my list. Also, Dwayne is is just that interaction uh, of Gertie and ET. The other one though that that I'm gl- I'm glad since you went with that one, I have is the release. And rescue of the frogs in the science yes. classroom. I mean, just Elliot racing from from jar to jar, letting the frogs out, screaming, "Go free!" You know all this. But the cool thing is here, we're also starting to see that empathic connection between Elliot and ET here. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get that lovely scene where E.T.'s watching The Quiet Man and, you know, Elliot starts acting out the scene between John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. So I just I love that that whole thing. Um, And of course, you know, I was probably too young to think about dissection because anytime I dissected frogs, they were already dead. That just seemed inhumane to me. Mm -hmm. But 
Yeah, I didn't know that was ever a thing. Like Me the, either. Like the kids had to kill the frogs themselves. It's like chloroform them and kill them. Yeah, they didn't even kill them. They just put them to sleep. Yeah, they yeah. just chloroformed them. suckers. Know, so because he told them, you know, he tells them, and I think you'll, you'll notice the heart's still beating. So they're killing. Yeah. You know, they they kill yeah. them during the dissection. That's weird. But you know, yeah, that's so hilarious. You know, with you talking about the empathic. You know, you have drunk ET. <laughs> you have ET laughing, Elliot laughing. You know, the whole reactions, and then you know Elliot, you know, acting out the John Wayne Mourinho hair part. You know, kisses the girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so hilarious. And he's got to pull up the the, the stool though <laughs> yeah. to be able to get up to her. <laughs> that, that and see, and that's authentic too, because I mean, face it, girls got their growth spurt first. They were always taller than us at that age. So yeah, <laughs> okay, maybe not all of us. <laughs> Some of us were always in the front of the picture line. So. Always. <laughs> I grew fast, but then I stopped, okay? I didn't get as tall as I thought I'd be. Jamie, just because you're the tallest guy in the room, this room's not saying a lot. Hey, I'm still waiting for my next growth spurt. Being the tallest person in this room is not a high bar to clear. <laughs> but you could touch the bar, we could. <laughs> All right. Um, I did have just one little moment I wanted to um, mention. It wasn't longer to be my best scene, but the first time... Elliot goes out to the shed. That's a really good scene. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. just a little moment that also Stranger Things echoed several times. Yep. But uh, yeah, that's just a really good little moment. Um, so, Drain, what's your best character? Et. Yeah. Yeah. Et. Uh, you know, just that uh, alien coming. You know, being lost away from home, having to figure out how to contact these people again. You know, coming. You know. Spielberg, I know in the, in the uh, some of the trivia that I had looked into, also said ET was ten million years old. You know, is is referenced at some point in his, I guess, ET lore, whatever. You know, but he, but he's interacting with these kids on a childlike level, even. You know, this advanced species uh, getting getting lost and and you know getting so homesick he dies and the the connection that he draws with the cast, the connection he draws with you know us as watchers and even pop culture. Uh, all around the world, uh, you know, E.T. took that by storm. Mm-hmm. So the the best character in this is, is by far E.T. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I love that the that the, the combination of the, the goofy moments, mm-hmm. those are great. They're they're great comedy <clears throat> um, combined with those those tender moments with Elliot. I just, I love, both both things work so well and make him such an interesting character. Yeah, it's very dynamic for a puppet, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I swerve just a little bit, guys. I mean, yeah, E.T. E- is phenomenal. I mean, he just, he was, you know, like I said, that ugly little critter that, that became on our hearts, you know, I mean, and, and still to this day. Uh, but best character, I went with Gertie. Uh, <laughs> I just, Drew Barrymore, you could just tell right away how amazing an actor she was going to be. Uh, she was a gem in this movie for me. Um, she is pitch perfect. I mean, she is just that that perfect little girl that hits all the emotional beats from fear to innocence to sadness. Um, she's just, she's the perfect embodiment of everybody's little sister. You know, I get a Sally Brown vibe from her character. You know, I get all of those kinds of things that that get rolled into Gertie. Um, and and I think partially that's what breaks my heart that she had a rough, rough go for so, so long. long yeah. You know, uh, just how great she was then and how, how she, great she is now. 
know. But, you know, she was really one of the truly the first 80s darlings yeah. that we had. You know, before Molly Ringwald, before Ali Sheedy and Winona Ryder, you know, you had Drew Barrymore. Uh, you know, Hollywood royalty, you know, much like Carrie Fisher mm. coming along here. And, you know, just being a phenomenal little child actress. And like you said, you know, just, just really had a hard time, really went you know, down the wrong spirals right. of, of Hollywood culture, but, you know, really uh, is such a, a beautiful, wonderful, uh, you know, actor. When you person. think of E.T. and you got Firestarter and then, you know, I mean, and like I said, I know she had a huge spiral, um, you know, but then she, she comes back. And I think she's still with it. Testing, testing. Here we go. All right, gentlemen. So um, I think that leads us to best quote, correct? Yeah. All oh, right. We're there. So, um, you know, we've talked about these two exceptional performances by Thomas and Barrymore. Uh, but I think Robert McNaughton's Michael sometimes gets left out of this a little bit. So I wanted to pick a Michael quote that cracked me up. Um this is the scene where Elliot and Michael are discussing if they think E.T. is smart or not. All right. And Michael's like, maybe he's not smart. Maybe he's like a worker bee that only knows how to push buttons or something. Obviously, very irritably, Elliot's like, he is too smart. Michael, okay. I just hope we don't wake up on Mars or something surrounded by millions of little squashy guys. I love that. It just made me laugh. <laughs> so. There's another one of his I love, but I went with this one. I did the same thing. I wanted to give Michael some love. Yes. So I've got two Michael quotes down. Um, I like when they're making their getaway. It's just one of those moments, like especially when you're like 15 or something, you're, you're so excited about getting ready to drive. And, and so you think the first thing he thinks is like, we're all going to die. And they're never going to give me my license. <laughs> I've only driven backwards. Yeah, that was my other. I've one. never driven forward. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've only driven backwards. I've never yeah, forward. yeah. I've never forward yeah, I love. Yeah, all of that. You know, just yeah. worked so well for that yeah. character. Well, I, I actually kind of went off brain and went with kind of a heartfelt quote. Mm. Uh, so I normally pull the funny, but this time I, I went with a little heart. But you know, E.T.'s last line in the movie to Elliot. And he points at his head, he is at, his, at his mind. He said, I'll always be right here. Yep. You know, I'll, I'll be right here. That's the right answer. I knew somebody was going to say it. Yeah. So I thought I could swear with Michael. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, try, I try to give a little bit of love to everybody when I can in these for these movies. <laughs> and, and, not, and not, I mean, he's a good child actor. Yeah. But he had to be on set with Henry Thomas and Drew right. Barrymore. Yeah. So being the lesser of that threesome is not, I mean. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was tough. Yeah. yeah. But he, yeah. He, did, he did a fine job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, almost like being the, it's almost like being Ringo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still in the Beatles, buddy. <laughs> All righty. Well, our next one is the best room got dusty moment. And um, I, think that, I think there's a right answer, but I'm not going to give it. Um, the, this Pilbrook juke move is what got me this time. When E.T. dies. Mm-hmm. Um, dies, you know, scare quotes. Um, that's just such a really intense scene. And why why they thought they could do normal CPR on an alien was <laughs> <laughs> confusing. Um, how do they know even has organs like we do, let alone that they would work exactly the same way ours do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just a really intense scene. And watching little little Elliot 
get so emotional in that moment where he says, you know, I don't know what to feel. I can't feel you. I don't know what. I mean, the, what, yeah. yeah, he just he's so lost. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I think it was mostly Ill, the way Elliot was responding. Not right. just what was happening to E.T., but Elliot responding to what's happening to E.T. It got me this time. It didn't get full on dusty, but, yeah, I, you know, my old dude, Blackheart, you know, <laughs> there's, there's cracks forming, you know? Yeah. Well, I, well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I didn't even uh, get a second uh, opinion on this one. And I did, you know, ne- realize I needed to change my air filter because, you know, there was some dust blowing around. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. But, you know, sure. yeah, E.T. E. dying. And it really does. It comes down to the reaction of Elliot and Gertie. And even the mom, even Dee Wallace, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Michael, you know, they're, 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 you see them just confused. And then especially when, you know, the, the bond is broken. And then Elliot says, you know, I don't know what to feel. Yeah. You know, I've just that loss and that hollowness and emptiness, and it brings forth every, you know, like like you're saying, you know, he thought about his pet dog. You know, it brings forth every pet mm-hmm. you've ever lost, every family. You know, I don't know what to feel at times, you know, and that's so, yep. you know, just heart-wrenching. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, E.T. is one of those movies, it just doesn't hit you in the feels. It goes like Negan and Lucille on your feels. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Um, and I think the one, the, 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 the scene in general, the, the line, all of it, that, that really got me as a kid and it still gets me to this day. And when I mentioned it to my girlfriend, it got to her immediately too. So I'm like, yeah, I picked the right thing. Um, the exchange between Elliot and E.T. before the ship departs, when Elliot is like, you could be happy here. I could take care of you. I wouldn't let anyone hurt you. We could grow up together, E.T. I mean, woo. I mean, just even even reading the line, you know, I'm getting I get chills. And and Thomas just gives that line so perfectly. And and Dwayne, you're right, it goes back to every pet you've lost and 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 family members and things along those lines and, and just that feeling of of you're losing something yeah that that meant so much to you and then like i said that that total line woof. well spielberg's dirty yeah <laughs> can, I, can i give a a bonus one because yeah. there was one that hit me this time i think it's because i'm i'm old now but when i was younger never even registered as anything but a funny line mm-hmm. so early in the movie Elliot, to punish his mom tells her that mm. dad is in mexico with the new girlfriend yep and then way later than she, she's heard at the time, and you can and you kind of feel for it, you know. It, they, it's not quite. It's the second time on Halloween when she brings it up again. When he's missing. he hates Mexico. Yeah, and she, it's, it's still eating at her, mm-hmm. you know. And, and nobody's even brought it up. It's just she brings it up. Yeah. It's just I'm like man, when I when I was younger, I was like, that's kind of funny, you know. Right. Older person now, it's like man. Yeah. This lady's hurting. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. You see that pain. Yeah. Well, you know, this was a 1982 movie. There was a lots of special effects with the aliens and all of the other stuff. Something worth that special. <clears throat> well, I, I'm, I'm going to do. I know one one award we had was you know the the best something that wasn't like. So I'm going to amend this award for myself at least and say you know the best special effect that you know that isn't the ET puppet. 
So <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to look at this. So if you take the E.T. puppet out of the situation, <clears throat> of course, where else am I going to go? But the spaceship, and especially the garden on the spaceship, you know, and you and you see, you know, the the like the 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 glowing mushrooms and and the and the alien, mm-hmm. f- uh, you know, floor that they have there, and 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 you see that's what they're doing there. They're they're, they're gathering plants or gathering you know greens. To, I, I guess they're botanists, you know, inter, intergalactic mm-hmm. botanists to study. Well, according you know, to Spielberg, you know, they are plants. Like they're a race of sentient plant people. No, well, yeah. maybe maybe those are their kids. <laughs> there well, you I mean, go. I guess, you know, and and they may be you know trying to figure out you know how plant life across the galaxy works. You know, right. it, it, since they are you know essentially plants. But yeah, that that is is what really uh, as far as an effect. I mean that spaceship, cool spaceship is so cool, yeah. so neat, and and you know, and especially when you get to peek inside at the little garden there, yeah, that that I love that. You know, and I went exactly the same way. And, and actually, when, when I was typing my notes, I was like, "There's a spaceship." Dwayne don't pick a spaceship, <laughs> um, but so, but I do agree. This starship is it's unique and it's interesting to look at. I mean, this is probably the best design, and, and, and I've got it exactly here, for a group of interplanetary botanists. Of course, it's going to be shaped like an egg. Yeah. You know, something. You know, it's going to be much more, um, I, I guess, organic, as opposed to the the sharp edges and Pond-like, things. like yeah. yeah. We would see in so many starships. Uh, I mean, think about this time. We, we, we've got the Falcon, and we've got all of those types of, of ships that, that have become quintessential by this point of time. This one just looks different, and that's what I really liked about it. And the juxtaposition between that starship and the forest backgrounds, I just think it looks so, so cool. So interesting. It's so yeah. visually interesting. Yeah. Yep. You know what it looked like to me? <clears throat> that they took the Wonka Vader and made it ready for space travel. <laughs> it can go sideways and frontways and backways. But even it had that kind of rounded thing with yeah. the stuff around that. It just, the the yeah. glass dome, yeah. You just take the glass out, put some space tiles on there, P-O, whatever. You got a P-O. giant Wonka Vader. <laughs> You're not wrong. I like it. Um, Mine, um, I'm, I'm. Dwayne said it. Well, apparently, it's against the rules. But I'm picking um, ET. Okay, but, but, <laughs> that's, but, that's, that's but a specific right. part. Um, the specific thing that that really was, I, I thought, was really impressive this time, uh, on this watch, was this specifically the face, mm-hmm. um, the way the eyes moved, and just the the way they got that puppet to manipulate facial expressions. It was super expressive, you know. And I was just, I was impressed all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Very, very expressive. Yeah. 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 I mean, and for this time period, you know, I mean, that that's pretty good. I mean, a lot of it, you know, a lot of this is animatronic and, and stuff like that. And this is early days for those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the digital to fall back on. No. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So that's exactly right. You know, but, you know, they mentioned ET being 10 million years old. Maybe another character who's 10 million years old at least seems to be with his wisdom never changes always beautiful always lovely uh, would have liked to see him we know we've seen him as a younger actor but never a kid actor but our Keanu Reeves could be an extraterrestrial seems like an alien but how does he connect to the extraterrestrial well it was almost um he played an alien in I'm I'm blanking now. That I'm doing the connection. I'm blanking on it. <laughs> the one where he comes from space, he's going to destroy things. Oh, oh my gosh! The day the Earth should steal. Yeah, yes. one of my least favorite Keanu movies. Um, 
But the, the person who actually is this week's Keanu Connection, and there is one, um, she's both prolific and high profile, and her heyday was the 1980s. So here are, um, I'll give a few things from outside the 80s, but here is her list from the 80s. It's impressive. And she worked on E.T., uh, Poltergeist, Blade Runner, Twilight Zone the Movie, A Christmas Story, Footloose, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, Mannequin, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. Hmm. That's one decade's worth of work. Um, She also later on worked on The Iron Giant, Insomnia, one of the early Nolan movies, Freaky Friday, Eh. (laughs) Mean Girls, eh. we're out of the 80s now, (laughs) and then she worked on Romero, one of Romero's last movies in 2005, Playing to the Dead. This is Marcy Leroff. She was the casting director on all of these movies, or co-casting director. Um, She's got skills. You think about those movies, those lists of movies there. Those are all really strong casts. Mm-hmm. And that we've, we've, we've bragged on the child actors in this movie. She was working on getting this crew together. Um, yeah. She was one of three casting directors on E.T. But in 2001, this is... Maybe drags her batting average in a little bit. But in 2001, she was the casting director, the casting director on a Mighty Ducks knockoff called Hardball. Starring <laughs> our beloved Keanu. I remember this. Marcy Leroff. And hardball. This <laughs> week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Kaboom. Hey, you guys forget, hardball was on my list of top Keanu movies. <laughs> I loved hardball. I just remember being annoyed the whole time. I'm like, this is the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when you call me Big Bop. bop. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we would like to thank you for listening to our review. <laughs> Of E.T., the extraterrestrial uh, from 1982. Um, we we uh, really uh, had a blast with this movie. I hope you guys have enjoyed uh, us spreading some love on this. And if, if you've listened to our review without watching the movie, just go watch the Dagon movie. It's on Prime right now. I, I think I picked it up for $5 out the bin at Walmart or something. Um, but uh, yeah, E.T. Was, was, a, was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, <clears throat> Jamie? Next week we're watching one of my movies. And um, Dwayne mentioned earlier that I'm still going to make my joke even though you changed the movie. Go for it. Um, <laughs> he had changed away from what he was, what he was afraid was going to be a hot steaming pile. Um, well, I've got news for you. Two weeks from now, there's a good chance there'll be another hot steaming pile we'll be reviewing. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so I made sure we got something good in a three-week span. <laughs> of course, Dwayne you know, ruined it by picking E.T., a great movie. But uh, next week we're reviewing a modern classic and i think it will be a beloved movie and i think it will have staying power we're watching ford v ferrari uh just a great i mean beautiful movie emotionally powerful a great story and just stunning to look at um yeah ford v ferrari i'm excited yeah you have powerhouse of a cast uh, Matt oh, yeah. damon um, uh, christian, christian bale, bale yeah mm-hmm. but uh did a little bit of digging, and uh, this thing uh, is three ninety nine on Prime. But if you are a subscriber to uh, Hobo, I mean HBO Max, <laughs> <laughs> HBO uh, Max, there it is free with that subscription. So it's going to cost you fourteen ninety nine a month, but you can watch the movie for without paying an additional three ninety nine. Um, it's it's on some other servers servers at two ninety nine, four ninety nine, three ninety nine, right around that neighborhood. But mm-hmm. but. Uh, Free on HBO Max. So uh, <clears throat> as we prepare to watch Ford versus Ferrari, Jamie. 
We're going to do everything in our power not to throw things at the TV while Josh Lucas is on screen as we keep it nerdy. (laughs) 